every single day of my life, I know that this day is a gift that I, that I don't necessarily have as many left as I would like. And every day I'm making choices with that day. All right, today I'm wasting time with Greg de Kernigsberg. Greg, welcome to the show. Thanks, John. How are you? I'm doing very well. So, who is Greg? Uh, who am I? Well, uh, I've been at Red Hat for a long time, so I guess you could say I'm an open source person. Done a lot of jobs, uh, worked for a few open source companies, uh, and mostly I uh, work in the open source community, which means uh, I try to figure out clever ways of turning beer into code. Mm. Sounds, it sounds very... Um... I work in the open source community. What For someone that has no idea what the open source community is, what would you tell them? Think about a large group of uh, volunteers around the world who are producing software. That's essentially what the open source community is. And uh, in the community role, uh, our job is to rally those people around common causes, common ideas, common projects, and make sure that they are uh, able to contribute and, uh, and share, uh, all of the value that they can share. And now we could spend the whole podcast going down the whole road of why would they do that for free? Yeah, but we won't. We could. No, we won't do that. <laughs> so, That's a whole other podcast. <laughs> so Greg and I met, uh, several lifetimes ago, I, Fedora's seven or eight time frame, which is, I don't know, 10 years ago, maybe you were, I think going on to open source satellite. Spacewalk, Max Spivak, I think he was your partner in crime. Yeah, we ran a little internal team that uh, tried to figure out how to share the open source lessons that we had learned while he was Fedora project leader and did all kinds of stuff around Red Hat. Yeah, so we recently got reconnected and talking and you, we were, we were looking for things we could talk about and you said, you know, this whole idea of wasting time, how do we do it or like, well, what are what are the ways we waste time, and then what are the ways we counteract that? Uh, I don't know about you, but sitting down at a laptop for a living is absolutely perilous to your. Uh, <laughs> it's the new smoking. <laughs> it's it's awful as far as time hygiene goes. It's uh, you know, you 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 decide you're going to take a two minute break from that thing that you're thinking super hard about. And then you look up and it's two hours later and you're uh, on Wikipedia reading about yak herders, <laughs> right? And, uh, and you just look up, it's like, oh, wow, I just lost an hour or two hours and how did I get here? Right. So uh, what, are, what are your favorite ways to waste time? Well, all the dumb stuff, right? So uh, I'm, a, I'm a hockey fan, which is unfortunate for me because I'm a, a fan of the NHL uh, Carolina Hurricanes. And they've missed the playoffs for nine straight seasons, so that's not really a, a a fun thing, but it's an addictive thing. So there's this message board for Carolina Hurricanes fans, uh, and I go there and see what people are complaining about today and what bad decision the team made and how terrible the loss was last night. Uh, or I go on to Facebook like everybody else and spend hours, you know, uh, looking at what my friends are generally, uh, complaining about, uh, yeah. And, uh, uh, and there are other things that I enjoy doing, 
Yeah, what uh, are some of your favorite things? Well, you know, well, playing the piano or, uh, you know, playing a good game of chess with a friend or actually going and playing hockey instead of complaining about it on the Internet. Uh, you know, these are things I like to uh, spend my time doing, uh, which means actually setting aside time to make sure I'm doing those things instead of the dumb things that eat up all our time when we're not looking. Right. What are your tells? Are there any, do you have any early warning indicators that say, oh my gosh, I'm on the verge of about to waste two hours of my time? Yes. Yes. Uh, in preparation for doing almost any task that I don't want to do. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right? And that's the, the danger sign is always the same. Okay. I've got to tackle this task that gives me some level of anxiety for whatever reason. Okay. But before I do that, I need to fortify myself by doing this thing that will put me at my ease. Okay. Mm. So, and, uh, and that thing immediately can spiral off into, uh, you know, all of the things that I, that I shouldn't be doing. So it's some fake fortification. Right. That's right. It's, it's sort of, I think that I, I have identified the problem as, as always, uh, I'm experiencing some anxiety about the task that, that I'm going to do. And so, you know, a large part of how I fight that is, uh, number one, make those other things unavailable to me, right? Make it just hard enough to do those things that it's sort of, because it's all habit, right? Uh, habit is the stuff that you routinely do. And if you routinely waste time, it only takes just a second of, you know, reinforcing that you shouldn't do that to sort of put a little break in that habit. So then, then I can focus on the other thing, which is taking that task that makes me anxious and breaking it down into the smallest components that I feel like I can do next, right? Because generally when I'm anxious about a task, it's because I'm not sure exactly what I'm going to do. I'm not sure if the thing I'm going to do is the right thing. Uh, and so breaking that, that task down into subtasks that makes me feel less anxious. Say more about doing the right thing. In in what way? Which right thing? Because well, they're all the right yeah. The, <laughs> well, and, and depending on your personality type, I think some people get stuck there more than others. In other words, there's and I'm thinking. Have you done the the true tilt, the tilt three sixty five? No, no thing? I haven't, and I should. Okay, I have a, I'm speculating as to what quadrant you're in, but there's there's kind of there's there's one quadrant which is impact. That quadrant just tends to just take action. They have an idea to take action. Then there's yep. clarity, which is the opposite quadrant. Well, that's the one that I'm in, which is I need I need more data. Need right. need to have lots of data. Need to make sure how we need to be really concerned about how this is going to affect other people, and right. then we'll take action. And there's pros and cons to both quadrant. Right, and you need both. Yes, uh, that's the thing. You need both, um, and and I I think that. Uh, and they both have negative associations if you sort of overindulge, right? Because yeah, uh, a bias towards action, if it's uh, too strong a bias, is, uh, is, is impatience, right? It's because you don't have the patience to actually think things through. You just want to do something, and you feel anxious if you're not doing anything, right? 
So too much anxiety in that direction leads you to do things rashly. And on the other side, if you're, you know, uh, on the analysis side, too much of that is because you're you're anxious about not having enough data that you're going to make the wrong decision. Um, and so that's a sort of paralysis uh, by analysis anxiety. And so, you know, in, in doing the right things, I guess what you have to do is sort of uh, maybe figure out which quadrant you're in and try to move a little bit to the other one in a way. Yeah, no, and that is the goal. That's the interesting goal of the tilt model is kind of different, I guess. The the true tilt essentially draws out where where do you naturally start from or where do you go under stress? But the goal is agility, moving to different parts of the model as it suits you, as it suits whatever you're trying to accomplish or whoever you want to be which I like different than the Myers-Briggs, which is like, well, I'm just an INTJ. I'm an introvert, and this is what I do, and so deal with it. Right, right. <laughs> so, But I like, I, I think it's fascinating. I had never thought of the idea of anxiety related to wasting time. I oh, always I, thought I, of it as kind of a, just this mindless activity that we, we slip into because we're procrastinating, not because we're anxious about something. Yeah, well, when you're, you know, when you're in the zone, when you can actually get into the zone, and I don't know if you've ever read uh, 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 Flow, right, which is a, is a thick book. I don't know if you've made it through it. I haven't. I, <laughs> it's not a very long book, but it's very dense. Yeah. <laughs> I started right. reading it, and I didn't get in the flow. So <laughs> Okay, now I don't feel bad, <laughs> right? So it's... uh. It's great to know about flow. It's great to understand flow. It's great to understand how you get into flow. I think you can do that without reading the book in depth. But at some point, I I will. I'll read that book. Yeah. Um, but you know when you're in a flow state, and you're in a flow state because you're engaged with what you're doing. Uh, you feel like there's sort of a there's a goal that you're trying to get to, and you feel like your energies are well marshaled towards that goal. And if the goal is interesting to you. Uh, and feels like it's purposeful uh, or gives you pleasure, uh, then you're, that's, that's the state that I think most people would prefer to be in. Um, and I think the inability of getting to that place or uh, a fear that you can't get to that place, I don't know about for other people, but for me, that's almost always about anxiety, right? And it's anxiety about, is this goal actually the right goal? is this goal a valuable goal, right? Is this just a goal that I've set in front of me because it's the thing I'm supposed to do or is it a thing that I'm engaged in doing, right? And sometimes, you know, when you work for a living, you're gonna have goals that you have to accomplish that aren't necessarily very engaging, but you still have to figure out how to get yourself into that flow state, right? Mm -hmm. So it's all about sort of figuring out what, you know, what makes you anxious, why it is that you might not wanna do this thing, sort of figuring out for yourself what the value is. Well, if I do this, that will allow, and, and frequently a lot of the ugly work that you have to do, the scut work, the stuff that you really don't want to do is sitting in the way of something that you do want to do, right? Uh, at least for me, right? Oh, I, I know that this, this thing is going to take me like three hours and it's just a pain. Uh, but once I get through it, it will allow me to do this other thing that does have more meaning to me. 
but let me check Facebook first. So I'm really, but le- right, I feel, exactly, so I feel but, good enough to get started. <laughs> right, right. And, and I know it's going to take me three hours and that three hours is going to be painful and boring and I'm not going to like it. So let me just go do this other thing for a minute, <laughs> you know? Um, and so one strategy I use is just figuring out how to break that thing I don't want to do into blocks that I can actually digest, you know, and this may, you know, and sometimes this means turning what should be a three hour task into a six hour task. Right. And I just have to be honest about that. But it's, if it's sort of a boring task that I'm grinding through, part of making it is being honest that what might be a three hour task for someone who's more suited to it is a six hour task for me. And maybe it means, you know, wasting time for five minutes here, but really limiting to five minutes and then getting back to the next 15 minute block of the hard thing. So are you a Pomodoro guy? Oh, uh, I like Pomodoro tomatoes. (laughs) Are Are you familiar with the technique? I'm not. What? Maybe I am, and I just don't know it. <laughs> You've been doing it. It's yeah. Look it up on on the Wikipedia. It's uh. Don't tell me to do that because I'm going to spend the next <laughs> twenty minutes about the Pomodoro technique instead of doing what I have to do. <laughs> just te- just tell me, John. What is the Pomodoro technique? It's uh, twenty five minutes of work followed by a five minute break, and you do that. They recommend two or three of those, and then you take a twenty or thirty minute break. That in fact, that is exactly what I do. I didn't know the words I had. Um, many years ago, uh, I guess I can say that now it was like eight years ago. And that is many years ago. (laughs) Uh, I actually had, uh, an executive coach. I had stepped into a new role, uh, in a new organization, uh, uh, as, uh, the, the CTO, uh, and, you know, working with my CEO, uh, she identified some, uh, some things that she thought I needed to work on. And so, uh, I, I got an executive coach for, uh, a few weeks, uh, and that technique, which she didn't tell me was the name of the technique, but that is exactly the technique that she recommended. And it is the technique that I have used in some form or another to this day. So it was a game changer. It really was, uh, uh, you know, you don't break all your bad habits at once. And I'm not going to say here, sit here and say that I've got my day blocked off into perfect (laughs) blocks and that. Um, but when I get stuck, it is a technique that I go back to again and again. Where do you tend to get stuck? Uh, Well, uh, I tend to get most stuck when I'm not convinced that what I'm doing is actually the most useful or optimal or right thing. I spend a lot of my time thinking about what is the real critical path. Yeah, I share that with you. Yeah, I would I would say I tend to do the same thing. I think most people want to spend as much of their life as they possibly can in meaningful pursuits, whether that pursuit is work or personal, you know, relationships, uh, achievements. Uh, you know, and I think that's what flow state is, right. Is, is being engaged in meaningful work. Uh, and I am most frequently stuck when I feel like the work that I'm doing is not the most meaningful thing that I could be doing at any one given time. Yeah. And I've been struggling with that recently because as I 
build my business, there are all these blocks that it's like blocks of things that I could be doing that I have no idea if they're going to pay off or not. Right. So I went to a webinar the other day. I I paid to go to a webinar, which I thought was totally worth it. Chris Brogan did this thing on LinkedIn. And I got a lot of good ideas, but it's like, okay, am I really going to get clients from LinkedIn? I don't know. Let me think about that. Uh, Maybe. I don't know. Let me start updating my profile. Oh, I don't know what to do. You know what? I need a Facebook page. I should have a Facebook because like, what if someone looks me up on Facebook and they don't find anything and then they'll think I'm not legit. Right. So, oh, how do you create a Facebook page? But do I need it? So it's like all those things. And yeah, some days it's just, I find myself just bouncing between like one thing to the next and other days it's having a conversation with myself that says, you know what? You don't know if any of these things are going to pay off, but yeah, back to this Pomodoro technique, just (laughs) spend 30 minutes, ding dong, like just sit down for 30 minutes and just start writing or open a doc, open a text document and just start writing the text that you think you want to put on LinkedIn. And let's see where you get to. And sometimes there's a breakthrough and sometimes there's not, but right. Yeah, trying to trying to move multiple things forward when you're not sure where the real payoff is, right? Is is challenging, and that's uh, you know, and sort of, and for me, uh, well, I always have I always have multiple things that I'm interested in pursuing, and and one of the reasons for that is not everything in your life always goes the way you want it to, and so for me, I've always got two or three projects. Uh, my wife is a knitter, so I say on the needles, right? Two or three projects <laughs> on the needles. Uh, so that in case I'm sort of demotivated or, or demoralized by one thing that that I'm hitting a roadblock on, I've got another thing that I can move on to to sort of get some of that flow feeling back, right? So um, I've got my day job. Uh, fortunately my day job is, is fairly flexible. So I've got meetings I have to attend. I've got work I've got to do, but I've, you know, I'm very fortunate in that I have some flexibility to shape my work day. Uh, and then I've got, uh, music, which is a passion. Uh, and then I've got, uh, you know, uh, keeping fit. So skating, playing hockey. Uh, and those are sort of the big, uh, the, the big blocks for me. Oh, and also learning Chinese because, in our modern world, it seems to me like a good idea to learn Chinese. Really? You're learning- yeah, I am. It's, wow. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's buhao, not good so far. Um, <laughs> but I'm getting there. Hey, are you familiar with, this is a total tangent, but are you familiar with this book by Thomas Friedman called Thank You for Being Late? I'm not, huh? It's. Did you ever read The World is Flat? I did, yes. I read The World is Flat. It's like the updated version of that, and it'll blow your mind. There's, oh. there's tons of possible Red Hat stuff. I'm about five chapters in and I'm listening to it on audio at double speed, uh-huh. which is just about right for me because it's super dense. It's like yeah. five or 600 page book. Anyway, he's talking about how all these convergences of the cloud and all these different things are rapidly speeding things up. He hasn't talked about China yet, but I'm guessing that he will. So yeah. Anyone out there that's involved in technology, cloud computing, open source stuff, it's like Moore's Law, like it explains all that stuff and ties it together and AI in a way that I hadn't understood before. Thank you for being late. Yes. All right. Thomas Friedman. Yeah. Where were we? Uh, Oh, having various uh, things. And and, and, and so I was talking about 
how I have different projects to keep me engaged so that one thing isn't going well, I can sort of move my focus to another thing for a little while and feel like I'm achieving some success. Um, Where do you keep these things? Do you have like a Trello board, a sticky? So like, what do you use? I have a notebook, John. I love it. Yeah. So it's very, (laughs) how does that work? So, um, so imagine it's like a Trello board, except you have uh, a physical interface. Wow. And, uh, you write, uh, uh, words on paper. No, no. (laughs) You you use a pen, which is a, which is a a small (laughs) instrument that puts ink on paper. It's kind of like digital ink, except it's analog ink. That sounds kind of retro. You can't erase it. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's so funny. I was having the conversation with someone the other day about the best way to take notes. And I was like, notebook. Like, I love composition books. Are you familiar with dot journaling? No, what's that? Oh, it's great. So uh, there's this. So uh, it's part of, uh, you know, when you get these fancy notebooks like the moleskins and you, you know, (laughs) everyone wants to fill their moleskin and make it just optimize it and make it pretty and colorful and all that. Well, there's a whole community of people called dot journalers. And the reason it's called a dot journal is because you can use little dots as bullet points. And then when you accomplish the dotted thing, you draw an X through it. Or if you need to defer it to the next day, you put a little right facing arrow on it. Or Or if you need to move it back to your backlog, you put a little left arrow on it and then go to your backlog page and add it to your backlog page. And then when you go through your backlog page, you put a little right arrow through something that you're moving back into your daily workload, right? So it's sort of a combination of the getting things done uh, methodology. But actually achievable. (laughs) That is actually achievable with pen and paper, right? And and I could do these things on a computer, of course, but I got enough computer in my life, dude. Yes. Uh, and there's something that is satisfying about an analog journal and just writing something down and drawing the X through the dot when I've crossed it off and having the sense that I can just take the journal with me and sort of be reflective and, you know, the opportunity of being productive when I'm not sitting down at a computer is uh, super attractive to me. Mm-hmm. And with these journals... Like one thing I've learned the hard way is I like is that they stay open. So like I've used spiral notebooks and I like those because you can just have the one side of the page on your desk and it doesn't take up the full thing with it's open. Or I like like a composition book that will stay open. The thing I've hated is I picked up some free, really cool notebook at a open source conference and the thing didn't stay open on its own. And I was constantly like fighting it. And I was like, oh, it's really cool. I like the paper and the pictures and stuff, but it doesn't work. You know what? That's a good argument for a spiral-bound notebook. I like my moleskin so much, though, the little quad lined with the uh, – yeah, so I don't <laughs> – You're a think, total hipster. <laughs> I, I am, I got to say. I think that's just an, uh, an affordance that I, I, I just have to give up. I, I recognize that having a spiral-bound notebook that sits flat on your desk is a better solution, but I'm not going to do it. Yeah. Well, and that's interesting because I go back and forth. I've, yeah. yeah. I, I, Trello was kind of like deep storage. I probably have three or 400 cards there. Like every time I right. think of something, it goes there. Yeah. But I rotate between post-its and a Sharpie, 
a blank piece of copy paper with boxes where I just like put what needs to happen and I just put circles or boxes around them and then cross them out. Right. Yeah, it just so you okay, so you've got this this dot journaling technique going on in your moleskin. Yeah. And that that helps you stay organized in terms of what are the things you're working on and what's going to get you into flow. It does. And, you know, and everybody's got different techniques, you know, that's mine is not, you know, it's just a way of keeping notes for yourself in whatever way fits best with your brain at the time. For years, I avoided paper like the plague because I thought it was inefficient. Uh, as I get older, I realize that I also am inefficient. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it just helps. It helps my brain. It helps get me centered. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I liked what you were saying about getting away from the computer, something I started recently was, you know, I would reward myself. So, you know, I would do my 30 minutes or whatever, do a couple 30 minutes. And I was like, well, I need a break or I'm just, I'm spinning my wheels. I'll take a break. I'm a sucker for Minecraft. My son and I started playing ah, together. Yes. That's like one of my biggest time wasters. Um, I love Minecraft. Really? It used to be one of used to be one of mine too. I even I even had it on my phone. I had to take it off. <laughs> which which I was talking to my friend. He has a son that's like thirteen, and and he thinks it's just hilarious. He goes, "That's a game for kids. What are you doing playing it?" Um, it's an immersive world that's awesome. Okay, well I'm looking. You know what? I, maybe I'll throw it out to you because I would love to find some adults to play with. <laughs> like like right. just go hardcore just play i mean and i know that people do this with like call of duty and other stuff but i never got into that and i don't have a gaming console but um anyway what i found is i'll be like oh i'm gonna reward myself and play some minecraft and go find some more diamonds and 30 minutes later i don't feel any better yeah because i'm still stuck at the screen or i'll go check the news which that is a whole black hole into itself yes or social media but there's something about getting up and going outside and walking around the block for this co-working space I'm working at. You know, there's a nice little loop that takes me 10 minutes. Yeah. And I'm finding that I feel completely different when I take a 10 minute break that gets me off of my butt uh-huh. to go. Even if even if it's raining outside, I'll walk around the office inside the office. I'll just walk them down the floors It's a diff- totally different effect than. Oh, I played Minecraft for 30 minutes and I did something totally different. The human body really is built to walk. It's really interesting. There's, uh, you know, I remember reading some sort of uh, historical, biological, anthropology sort of thing where, you know, the the growth of the human brain evolutionarily was related to you know, farming and walking and, uh, I, and I don't, and I don't remember the source and I, it was probably nonsense anyway, but, um, but there's sort of this resonance to just taking a walk and, and getting a little bit of exercise and being outside. A thing that I used to do that I got away from and keep thinking about going back to was working on a walking treadmill. Mm-hmm. And I did this for a, a number of years. Uh, and I, once my knees started getting mad at me, I, I, I ended up doing it less. Uh, maybe that's just a function of better shoes, but, uh, walking at two miles an hour, no faster, uh, with, uh, and I just got, I made the cheapest imaginable desk 
and put it on top of the arms of my my home treadmill. Uh, and I could walk for hours and be uh, productive, uh, sort of thinking a little differently. And uh, uh, and I had some really productive times doing that. Mm. Well, and I, one thing I would throw out to people for walking is leave your phone behind. Yeah. You will feel so naked. And I'm not a big phone person. Like, I purposely do not have Twitter or Facebook on it and other right. things. It's mostly phone calls and texting is and Trello. <laughs> yeah. But there is something I, I recommend to anyone. Next time you try this 10-minute walk to clear your head, leave your phone behind. You will feel like you have, like, lost your wallet or you're naked. Like there's something weird going on there. You know, some people are, uh, uh, starting to propose that we are, our brains are changing, uh, culturally and that we are becoming essentially sort of cyborg ish in that the dependency on our devices is so great that it's changing our, our brain. The, the wiring. Really? Uh-huh. Which is, uh, Maybe scary, maybe fascinating, maybe some of both. Um, and and being without your phone can, you know, it 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 causes people anxiety. Yeah, it really does. To, back to the anxiety thing. Well, I've even seen some articles. I haven't read the articles, but I heard them cited, which says that even having your phone near you, even if it's in silent mode or even if it's off, is different than if you take your phone and you stick it in a different room. In terms of like trying to concentrate, I completely believe that. And so, uh, you know, and one of the things we're talking about is little mechanisms for combating time wasting. I've got this great app for my phone called Forest. Oh, I've heard of that one, and it's amazing. It's uh, it's just it's so it's just this it's cute and dumb, and basically you plant a tree. <laughs> you plant a little tree, and then when you bring up the phone, all you see is that tree. And if you try to go do something else, it says you're going to kill your tree. <laughs> you know? And this motivates and you. And so it's just that little <laughs> bump of, oh, right, I don't want to. And it's, you know, and it's super effective because uh, you can also whitelist apps. So you can still you can select that set of activities on your phone that are OK, that are acceptable. Right. So uh, my Chinese vocabulary drill is on the whitelist. Because if I'm going to quote unquote waste time, at least if I'm wasting time, uh, you know, going over my Chinese, uh, then I'm learning something and I feel like it's not a waste of time. In fact, it's I sort of build uh, an assumption into my day that I will spend 15 to 20 minutes every day, quote unquote, wasting time on Chinese. So that's OK. It's something I plan for. But if I'm doing anything else. Uh, Forrest will pop up and say, why are you going to your web browser? You're going to kill your tree. And it's just <laughs> and it's just amazing how effective it is when I do it. It really is, you know, one of those little game changers. Yeah, and I heard that mentioned Ryan McRae. He's been on a previous episode. He has a he has a newsletter and a, and a website and a whole work around ADHD. And he, I think that was in one of his newsletters was that yeah. app. It's um, amazing. You know, you mentioned blocking stuff. I've been playing around with Self Control, which is mm -hmm. a Mac app. So there's two. It's a Mac app that you can put in a white or a black list of sites you don't want to go to. There's also a, a browser plugin. Yeah. The, have you played with that one? It's, no, but it's no, brutal. But I've been, it, it, here's the 
Oh, go on. No, it it locks down. So for me, what I was finding was family would have dinner and then it's like, oh, I need to relax because I'm I'm tired and I worked all day. I'll check the news. I'll read, you know, and then an hour and a half later, I don't feel I like five times as depressed as maybe yeah. I started. And then like, oh my gosh, I just like, and now it's time to go to bed. So anyway, this thing locks your computer down. It uses, I happened to trip across the Etsy host file the other night and saw that it was sticking stuff in there. So, yeah. so what it does is you give it a list of sites, you tell it how long, and then no matter if you reboot, tweak this file, like you cannot, you are locked out of these sites for, I said it for a day. And I'm, and I'm finding that that is, even when I get that little twitch to like, well, let's see what's going on. I can't. And it's like well, just a reminder to get back to work. And the funny thing for me is that long before any other sort of productivity apps were out there, this is one of my very earliest geek techniques was editing the Etsy host file. <laughs> Instead of 0. 0. 0.0.0. Yep. And just set everything to localhost that I don't want to see. Right. And so I would have, uh, 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 you know, uh, so I've got basically a, a, a shell command that I just run on my desktop called Workday. And when I run Workday, it copies an Etsy host file that has the list of all the places I know I shouldn't be going during the Workday. And it overwrites the Etsy hosts with that file. That's brilliant. And then, and then when I type playtime, I'm- uh, <laughs> I've got, I've got the, the, you know, and I've still got a few sites blocked in playtime because there are some sites I just don't want to go to anymore, right? It's just a permanent reminder. You don't go there anymore, right? When I like the conscious, intentional, even the words. That's like right. Like you're typing playtime, which is like, okay, it's playtime or That's no, this right. is work time. That's right. That's exactly the point. Um, and, uh, you know, and I think that, that, apps like the one you're talking about, we're all coming from that same angle. I think it's a very intuitive, I wish there were a way that I could control my impulses a little better. And you don't need much, you just need a little help so that when you go to Facebook or when you go to CNN or wherever you're getting your news, instead of going there, you get this blank page that says, that site isn't found, dude. <laughs> and yeah. it's like, oh, right. Yeah, I didn't want to find know? it anyway. It doesn't really help right. me live a better life. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And there will be times when, uh, you know, uh, I'll, I'll just, uh, you know, I'll put all news sites into that block list. Mm-hmm. I'll just like, I don't, I don't want to read news right now. Do you do any, uh, like night before preparation for the next day with your, your dot journaling? I, I do. So every day, uh, I go through all of the things in my journal. Uh, and I, you know, no, it's a lie. I don't do it every day. <laughs> I, tr- I, try, I try to do it John, every day. I have this ritual at 6.30 p.m. I yeah. sit down with that pen and paper I talked about. Yeah, <laughs> except I don't do it every day. I do it, I do it most days. Um, <laughs> I like, thanks for being real. I get so tired of listening to these productivity shows and like, yeah. yes, for the last 365 days, I've had a morning routine that starts promptly at 5 a.m. Uh-huh. And I have a glass of water and I do the, yeah. I'm not doing that. <laughs> I mean, I, I do it as much as I can. Right. And I, 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 I always, it's the thing that I can reset, right. right? Okay. You got away from this habit. You know, this habit is productive. It has proven to work for you in the past. 
circumstances got you off kilter, there's this thing in your personal life or this thing at work that's really getting you down or something else, and you got out of this habit, but you know that you always have that habit to return to to get you back on the right path. So I would say four days out of five, Mm -hmm. I'm actually going through and doing all these things, right? So I've got the list of daily dots that I always check off. I always have a certain level of fitness I do, a certain level of home chores I do, a certain level of music work, right? I always put on an hour of music, whether it's producing something or practicing. And I make sure that every day I've got those dots cleared off, right? And I can go a month hitting all of those dots when things are going good. And then, you know, so, and then, you know, and then you sort of wonder, well, if I'm getting all the dots, maybe I'm picking dots that are too easy and I should up my game a little bit. Right. And yet if you're like producing or doing something musical every day over the years, the compounding effect of that has got to be amazing. There's a, there's a saying that I love from Bill Gates. And that is, People overestimate what they can accomplish in a year and underestimate what they can accomplish in a decade. And I think it's exactly from what you talk about is the compound effect of getting in the habit of doing things over and over. Right. Uh, And the frustrating thing, of course, is that when you live your life, you're living your life in it. And all you see is the few days around you. And it can be pretty difficult to go to a level up and look at the broader scale of what you have accomplished and what you hope to accomplish. You know, uh, I play music every day and I'm terrible. Right. And, I'm and, just and, <laughs> and but is this so? Yeah. So, OK, you're terrible, but I'm not sure how seriously to take you there. No, I'm not. Of course, I'm actually pretty good. But in my own mind, I've got all of these things that I have yet to accomplish, so I'm terrible. And other people are like, dude, that sounded great. Why aren't you out like playing professionally? I'm like, well, I'm not good enough. You know. <laughs> but so so this hour a day, like scale of one to ten, where ten is just like or no, where one is just an utter grind, you have to have some negative consequence or you won't do it. And 10 is like, oh, no effort at all. Like, how would you score that? Uh, it depends on the day. Right. Uh, uh, some days I'm feeling it and it's a 10 and, and that hour becomes four hours. Right. The, the hour is the minimum unit though. It's like, you must spend at least an hour. And if you're feeling and you go over great. Um, and then on those days when I'm not feeling it, I'll put in 20 minutes and I'll be like, that's, that's part of an hour. Good enough. Because <laughs> it's awful. Right. And I'm not feeling it. But that conscious uh, effort to always try to put in the time no matter what is is the is the thing that produces. Have you done anything with negative rewards? Do you know what That's, that is? That scares me. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so I have done that with some clients. And yeah, yeah it's what's interesting about it is. So for people that aren't familiar with what a negative reward is, it's the idea that if you don't do something, you will do something else. So the quickest way to to summarize or explain this is think of a political organization, a political party, or a not-for-profit that you utterly despise. Yeah. And you make a commitment that if you don't follow through on what you're going to do, you're going to send them some money. There's no way I would be able to make that stick. But here's what's but here's what's fascinating. So I 
I did one of these a few years ago. It was it was that I was going to blog every day for 30 days or I was going to send this person $100. And man, I was always three days ahead or at least like like there was no way that I was not going to succeed. Fascinating. And it's been interesting in talking with different clients. Sometimes this comes up. It's like, well, now there's no way that I'm, I would write that check. And then my next question is, well, then how committed are you to this idea? That, in other words, if you want this thing really badly, how badly do you really want it? Yeah. And yes, it, this can be pushed to extremes and gets ridiculous. But, you know, um, <laughs> I have one person that, you know, if they didn't write every day, they were going to wear the red baseball hat for a whole day. And, you know, there was no way that they were, for them, there was no way that they were not going to write. So, I don't know. I don't know how effective that would be because I would simply not wear the red hat. I would, you know, I would, uh, man is a rationalizing creature, right? And uh, Wait, and so I you would, would commit to it and then not do it? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, you know. <laughs> I think I I think I work best with positive reinforcement. Okay. I think that's what it is, right? I, I well, and that's good to know about yourself. Yeah, yeah. I just don't think that technique would work for. I don't know. Maybe I should try it and put myself to the test. Mm-hmm. But no, I'm not going to because I know the answer. I know I would say because I would never actually be able to make myself take that seriously. I think, hmm. I, I you know, I I just wouldn't do the thing I would despise. And I guess the forcing function can be, you know, is to say okay send me the check and I will put it in the mail if you don't follow through. So in other yeah. words, you take away that final, that final painful step. It's kind of out of your hands. Yeah. I, I guess you could lie though and still say, well, I did what I said I was going to do. Right. So that- <laughs> you know, I don't wanna... But so the key question there is how do you commit to something that's important? Right. Uh, and I find that I don't actually have problems with committing to the things that are actually important. I may not commit as much time as I would like. Uh, I may not be as focused as I would like, but you know, I have to give myself permission for that because there are a lot of things going on. Everyone has a busy life. I do my best to put the big rocks first. And every day at the top of my journal, it's, I've got my journal right here. In fact, let me get it out. So today is uh, March 23rd, 2018, Friday. And this is uh, my uh, 48th year, 31st week, and fourth day of my life. Wow, you write that down every day? Every single day for the past two years. That's powerful. Uh, it is powerful. It, uh, it, it, every day, every single day of my life, I know that this day is a gift that I that I don't necessarily have as many left as I would like. And every day I'm making choices with that day. There's a, uh, there's a, a great uh, website called Wait But Why. Uh, I don't know if you've ever no. heard of it or seen it. It really helped put this in context for me. The week is the sort of interesting unit of measuring the goals in your life because you have so many seconds and so many minutes and so many days and so many weeks and months and years like that. But the week for me, and this, you know, wait, but why is what sort of proposed it is the unit of measurement that is long enough where you feel like you can accomplish something 
but scarce enough that you know that they're not unlimited, right? Because there's 50 weeks in a year and 552, I thought. Yeah, well, round numbers. <laughs> round numbers. I'm not so good at math, right? 50 ish weeks in a year, 500 ish weeks in a decade, right? So a decade is only 500 weeks, all right? And you think about that. You put 500 balls into your hand and take them out one a second, you know, and and in, you know, seven minutes, whatever, all those balls are going to be gone. And 500 weeks, that's a decade. It's not that long, right? So That's a TED Talk, man. Uh, well, someone else has already given it, so too oh. late there. Um, <laughs> For me, I don't need a fake motivation because the motivation for me is that I only have so much time left. And the older I get, the more conscious I am of it. Hmm. And, and, you know, maybe that's a little, so it's kind of heavy and blah, blah. I like it. I like heavy stuff. But it's the reality, right? Uh, time uh, Time is life. And the majority of, of my life is in all likelihood already over, right? That's 48 years that are gone and they're never coming back. So what I have in front of me is the time that I have in front of me. And all the techniques that I use are to make sure that I'm using uh, every one of those uh, days and weeks to get as much as I can out of it. And, you know, a lot of that is just accepting there's a bunch of stuff I'm not going to do. There's a bunch of stuff that I think is important that's not important and that's what helps me distill and get over that anxiety of, am I doing the right thing? Well, you better figure out what the right thing is so you're doing something because, you know, life doesn't go on forever. Thanks for listening to The John Polster Show. Notes, links, and all that other good stuff for this episode are at johnpolster.com slash podcast. Send your questions, ideas, or a simple hello to podcast at johnpolster.com. Want to stay up to date on new episodes and receive notifications of upcoming events? Register your email address at johnpolster.com slash updates. <laughs>